Positive Remark Podcast Show Bad Karma Chapter 6 Memory The room off the alley near the river by the bridge smelled of rats and only had half a dozen candles for light. They flickered yellow and green against the peeling paint of the plaster wall. Water dripped slowly from the ceiling, some of it striking her on the head. But she did not move as much about fear or lack of will. She could hear the women on the street harking their wares to the men. She could hear the creak of wheels at the carts went by. Her skin felt cold, her blood warm. He had set his hat down on the chair and taken his cloak off too. Beneath it he wore a fresh white shirt, finest black trousers. He was a true gentleman. He said, I saw it in you, girl. I like what I did. You loved it, pet, didn't you? She nodded, She nodded, still shivering. She could taste blood in the back of her throat. We are alike, you and I. We have the same metal. We know each other before. Isn't that true? Not in some wretched heaven or hell, but in eternity. We are soulmates, child. His eyes were like diamonds, hard and sparkling. All at once, I brought you a gift. He reached into his black bag and withdrew something covered in a monogram handkerchief, blood and soaked through the silk. It is something quite beautiful. If you have the talent for seeking beauty, do you, do you, my raggedy little urchin? She leaned forward. You want... To love what's in, on the inside instead of what's on the surface. What is beneath the skin is the truth of our beings. Her is her, her is her truth, he said, squatting down towards her, taking his, her small hand, drawing her to her feet. She's shivering. He wrapped his arm around her and held the thing in a handkerchief to her face. It is that part of her where she lived. It was her secret place. Isn't it beautiful? She looked as if he unfolded the corners of the handkerchief. What she saw within it. When she saw what was in it, she looked away for a moment, because it was part that she hated the most. She glanced around the room, trying to look at something, but what what was in his hands? She saw himself suddenly in a reflection of the mirror on the wall, her face scarred and hideous. You are beautiful to me. He said, kissing one of the incisions on her face. Someone was screaming out in the night street. She felt lightning burst through her. Agus Hatcher woke in a bed in the, in the last years of the 20th century. Her face was covered with blood. Chapter 7 Jim Anderson should arrive at work between 6 and 6.30. But but because his Chevy truck was running poorly, his brakes were going to about to give out. He decided to get there at a quarter of and avoid the traffic. Avoid traffic. It was still dark out. He was sleepy. He was stubbing, stubbing for Cranwell all week. Who the lucky stiff was locating on Catalina for a week, but Jim wanted his free to midnight shift back. He wasn't a morning person. The mornings were a pain in the butt. All the patients getting mauled when they first woke up. All the meds having worn off. A night at least being 
after supper, they tend to watch TV or read or play school games. Only occasionally when a television game show like Jeopardy got too exciting to write a breakout, even then they weren't hard to subdue, a little false and some few some few more bills. When Jim Lenderson got past security and had made it halfway down the hall in Building D, he knew something was different. Not in the usual way of getting, getting not in the usual way some patient getting in bed with another, or some wild person trying to use one of the fluorescent bulbs as a weapon. It was a stillness he had not expected. A quiet. Sure he was early. Sure he wasn't all that familiar with the mornings and its routines, but Donna was not at a desk, and Rita Frobolstein hadn't come in yet to relieve her. Donna's desk was piled with papers and twinkle wrappers. Twinkie wrappers. Although she knew that Donna was fairly disorganised, usually by dawn she would have cleared her desk, up, desk off for the next shift. He looked into a couple of bedrooms, but the inmates were asleep. The one he never liked, never enjoyed being around. Her room had been got was just through the double doors. He never looked there. That that woman scared him. Agnes Agnesha. He remembered her memorized faces of people. Anyone ever done her the slightest harm? She was 42, but looked like she was 20. Small, petite, almost girlish, and yet she was a tiger. She was the only patient in D that had to restrain and cover, covered except at midnight. At midtime, even then, they spoon-fed her. After a few long spoons, she was in, as far as he could tell, for stoking and planning the killings of four cops, each of whom she felt had been rough with her when he arrested for her for double murder. Jim didn't know anything about her. He had only seen her picture, and he never seemed been, and he never seemed been a seen the sack put over her face, but he knew she was nothing but a destructive force in a human body. He had stayed away from her. Jim turned his back on the still doors. He shivered. He wasn't going to go through them and check on Agnes Hatcher at six o'clock in the morning when no one else was around. When no one else was around. Then he noticed a door, slightly jaw. Bobby Brown's room. Bobby was okay. It's mild money psychopath had a thing for girls' heads, but it was fairly easy to control, like good circumstances. Well, but even to please, not at least Jim's face. And that all he cared about on his job, maybe Donna was there. Rumour was that Donna had a thing for Doc Rob. It was not the unusual for psychics or these to start having feelings for some of their patients, but it could get out of hand and cross boundaries. As when it got dangerous, Jim shook his head. Donna's state is about is another world. One of patient's crackers. He even told Jim that now they were friends. It was okay for Jim to screw his colostomy hole. And then crackers had reduced, proceeded to poke it with his own finger. And they were all right. Jim decided to get a cup of coffee before checking on for a furlough. It was Campbell's shift anyway. Why should I put myself out this week? He went down to the vending machine in the staff room. One of the ladies' employees sold... Harburg was napping on the couch. He, 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 Jim poked him with his finger. Sutberger snuffed away and opened his eyes halfway as he was undecided to whether to fully wake up. Where's Dana? Jim asked as he stepped to the coffee machine. He, 
He dropped 50 cents in the priceless cream sugar buns. He looked back at Stamler. Get up, will ya? Stamler slowly sat up, shaking his head fiercely. Uh-huh. Don't know, I didn't see her at the desk. He's around. Stamler shook. I saw her a little while ago. What time is it? Jim glanced and glanced at what? 6.10. He reached into the machine and withdrew a small cup of coffee. I didn't know how the... I don't know how you drink that stuff, man, so it said. It'll kill you. What about Dana? Told you she's around. She's just in here a while ago. I was snoozing. So I saw her go in the hall. She's already changed out of her uniform. Jim took a sip of coffee. You don't think she's down here with Fallon again? So many half grinned. Maybe. She's been she's been sending them love notes. Jim Anderson took, shook his head. Jesus, I knew she was wrong in this world. For this world, I knew it. Want me to see if she's there? No. I'll go. I just hope it's, she's there. She's giving him meds. I've seen him try this before. I'm hoping Donna won't fall for it again. What a life, huh? Jim finished his coffee, tossed the cup in the trash, and headed out of the room. Chapter 8. Walking down the corridor. Back to Fallon's room. Jim Anderson. Notice the other room. Check the other rooms briefly. There's 14 mates in D. All fairly so owing to the medications each received. But of them, five were considered sociopaths. The rest had murdered enough people to fill a house. Most of them were all sleeping. A few were sitting up on the bed, just staring out in space or reading and playing cards. There was a glassy look in their eyes of frosmine, a durantful. He nodded to those who were up. He got into Fallon's room and smelt the literal, was all overcrowded, and cut cold chill that Jim felt. Or whenever he went into one of his rooms, he felt it like ice. He never knew it was he never knew he never knew it was him or them. All he knew was that he felt it. Something in the morning, Rob Sullivan would be at his table drawing cartoons on construction paper. Rob was quite a good cartoonist, actually. Cartoonist, actually. Even on the outside, Rob had kept jobs drawing funny portraits at amusement parks, making a decent living at it. Jim had been one of his cartoons as on his refrigerator at home. It's a character of Jim in profile with a question mark over his head and the word "Why" written in the bottom. But this morning the table was bare. Through the bars at the window, the first feeble rays of sunlight speared across the darkness of the room. Jim flicked on the light, light to get, be- get light to get see better. He heard whimpering and saw Rob there, hankered down the floor in the corner, shivering. He kept his hands clenched shut. He was naked except for a towel round his waist. Jim glanced towards the sink. It was full of dirty brown water. Rob, who liked to, squeaky, liked to be squeaky clean, been giving himself a bird bath. Rob, are you okay? Rob didn't respond. All other smells beneath the visceral, some kind of bleach. Flynn cleaned himself and his surroundings insensitively. He could have gotten the brand name cleaners from Donna himself. Jim noticed the floor being scrubbed. There was a pasty white layer of soap across its shiny surface. He glanced over at Rob's roommate, Prey, who lay with his face to the wall. 
to sleep or wake, he was annoying Jim. You been having nightmares again, old buddy? Jim walked over to him, crouched down. Need to clean up yourself? Bob looked at him in the eyes. This is, uh, this is unusual for circumstances. But occurring like this, afraid of the world, which existed as a delusion. There's something that threatened Rob's sense of himself, being real, unless he had, for the first time in his existence, been made to feel like small by someone. What or who could have done that? Bob whispered. Do you know why? Whispered. Now I know why I wasn't. I have wasn't the eyes, Mister Ensign. It wasn't eyes at all. She showed me. He hung clenched his hands. Something in them. Something all smeared and red. Curled her hairs in its fringe. Stings of flesh. A loose tapery involved in his hands. Damn it, Jim said. Jim said, standing staggering backwards. It wasn't in her eyes, I thought it was. It wasn't. It was in her purse, Jim said, holding the thing in, her, in his hands up, like a supplement, supplement for Jim's inspection. Just like my mother's purse. It, it's in it. That's why, that's where she, her, that's where her why was. She showed me it. She showed me.